Guys, welcome back to the Built for Life podcast. We just want to say first and foremost how incredible it's been to get so much great feedback from all of you. But I want to ask you all to go and subscribe to the podcast. If you're listening, please subscribe. It takes two seconds. It will help us a lot. And I think from the feedback we've been getting, we definitely need to try and get the word out there because we know what we do is absolutely fucking superb at the end of the day. And I know Jen will agree with me in a second. Um, But we want to make sure that people are having a far different perspective on their health and fitness journeys, on the way that they conduct themselves in their lives and the standards that they can have and the performance that they can achieve mentally, physically, emotionally, and how they can take themselves to new heights. So Jen, do you agree with me that more people need to know about this and more people should subscribe? 100%. And I just want to say we've actually had our first sponsor, which is Paul the Podcast Man. (laughs) Paul the Podcast Man isn't here today, but just in case Paul is actually listening to the podcast, I think we've shouted them out in every other episode. So, Paul, if you're listening, thanks for the sponsor, mate. <laughs> Paul is the best guy, man. <laughs> he just sits there and listens to our shite, and probably everyone else's shite <laughs> all day long. Um, plus, the big man's been uh, struggling with a, a bad back of late. So, um, hopefully, Paul, if you're listening, you're feeling better, mate. But we're actually doing this over Zoom for a change, unfortunately, um, because me and Jen cannot be together. But I mean, the world of technology is absolutely sensational these days that we can do these things. So hopefully the feedback for you guys doing it virtually isn't too bad today. And it still sounds clear and concise and to the point. But what we want to talk about today is actually something we hear all too often. I've had a pound for every time someone said this, I actually wouldn't have to work. I would be the richest man on the planet. And I think it's very easy for people to hide behind this because essentially with the compassion and the empathy and the sympathy that a lot of human beings show when someone says that they're not maybe doing so well or they're not in the right headspace to take action or achieve the results they want or work on themselves, it's very easy for other human beings to be like, oh, you know what? It's okay. Like, that's totally fine. Like, I hope you're okay. I hope you get out of this situation soon. But also at the same time, I think that's fucking bollocks because the only way that you can improve yourself as a person is by overcoming that challenge. So Jen, tell me a little bit about what you think of that phrase and all that saying. Oh, I honestly think I get so triggered. (laughs) (laughs) People say they're not in the right headspace. I do get so triggered. And I think it's funny because people, I, I hear people say it quite a lot, like, I think, I mean, I think sometimes by now some of the guys know better than to say that to us because they know that we'll jump down their throats if (laughs) they even think about it. But I think um, particularly because I come into this this world from that sort of behaviour change kind of mindset-based approach, I think people think that I'm just going to get it. So if they say to me, oh, I'm not in the right headspace, I'll be like, oh, yeah, well, I understand headspace and therefore, you know, fair enough, I, I totally get it. And I'm like, actually, everybody defines that completely differently. Like, everybody's right and wrong headspace is totally subjective. And then what I'll do is I'll be a right bastard and I'll ask someone, so what is the right headspace then? What does that look like? And they're like, oh, um, oh, and I'm feeling motivated and I'm feeling focused and I'm feeling energised. And I'm like, okay, and what's the behaviour that creates that? And they're like, oh, well... And I'm going to the gym and I'm getting my steps and I'm sleeping well and and I'm like, okay, so the action that you take has a direct impact in the headspace that you create. And they're like, oh shit. <laughs> and I'm like, I just I just ain't buying this, right? I'm just not buying it. And I think a lot of the time what happens is that 
I think people create a belief that the, the bad headspace comes first and then the lack of action comes second. So the thought of taking action in the headspace that they're in is the thing that feels challenging. And in actual fact, the it happens the other way about. It's when the action itself and the behaviours don't get prioritised that the headspace that you find yourself in becomes almost inevitable. And when I ask people again, what is the wrong headspace? They tell me behaviour-based things. They can't tell me the feelings that are created within it. It always relates to action and behaviour. And the more you repeat this over time, the more you tell yourself the story and the more you feel the belief that I only need to do things when I'm in the headspace to do it, right? I'm never in the headspace to do any of the shit that I ever do, right? I said to the guys the other night, like... Uh, ran that half marathon 90% of the time that I actually went for a run I didn't want to go for a run every single Saturday I go for a run I don't want to go I've never wanted to go for a run in my life and I probably won't ever want to go for a run in my life right and that's just one example that there's so many things that we do day in day out that we know are beneficial to us that we know we know are just an essential part of being a fully functioning adult. There's loads of stuff, especially when it comes to growing yourself, becoming a high performer. There's like it's fucking boring the majority of the time. And so if you just continually wait, wait, wait for the right headspace to come, it ain't going to fall out the sky. You need to create it. Mm, that is absolutely spot on. And actually resonates with me so much because I feel even in the past. When I was going through my own journey, there was times where I wasn't in the right headspace to do things. Like I wasn't in the right headspace to stop drinking, to stop taking gear, to stop going out with particular friends, to stop just being a destructive wee prick, <laughs> ideally. <laughs> I never had any foundational stuff to focus on that kept me grounded and made me feel as if I could stop doing it. Because that's the thing, it's like I wasn't in the right headspace. But at the same time, I could have had things in place consistently to do when I didn't want to do them that would still keep me grounded and still make me feel like I had more trust and belief in myself to take those actions because I still had value and I still had fulfillment elsewhere. Because as you said, you never want to do it initially, but it's once you've done it, you feel like you're a fucking absolute king. And I think that's why a lot of people actually do have to set themselves some bigger goals and actually just get uncomfortable with working towards those bigger goals because they actually just have to train themselves to do the shit that they don't want to do when they actually need to do it the most. And that's what most people, I think, in life actually have to train themselves for. Going to the gym when you don't want to, going for your steps when you don't want to, meal prepping when you don't want to, running that half marathon when you don't want to, prepping for a show or a, a competition when you don't want to, all of these things are what you have to train yourself for because you're actually trying to train yourself to be able to pull yourself back out of that headspace quicker um, by taking the action, you know, like knowing that this is a complete and congruent issue that's going on between my action and my inaction. And my inaction is only just going to keep me here and my action is actually going to push me forward and propel me back into a headspace where I feel good because not one fucker has ever said after a run, that was shite. You know, like that was shite. It made me feel shite and it makes me feel even worse now. Don't get me wrong. You can complain about a bad run and you can say it was shite. But within, what, 10, 20, 30 seconds, you feel like an absolute machine. You're like, I'm so happy I've done that. And it sets you up as well for the rest of your day. And it makes you feel as though you can enjoy everything else as well because you actually actively put yourself in the right headspace to enjoy them. And I think it's something that we might see quite frequently as well. Like when people maybe do drink too much, when people maybe do go out and binge too much on food, actually comes from the fact 
that they're not in the right headspace because they've not served themselves and they've not focused on themselves. Do you feel like you see that often? Oh, 100%. And I think people tell me all the time that they want to build better habits. And I'm like, if you're only engaging in the habit when you can be arsed engaging in the habit, it's not a habit. It's just a nice thing that you're doing every now and again. So if you actually want to engage in the creation of the habit, it's frequency and repetition. And frequency and repetition can happen based on emotion. It has to happen on that consistent, frequently repeated basis. Because if you're only engaging in the behavior when you feel like it, you're never creating a habit. And then actually this has a total detrimental impact on your belief systems over time. Because you then create the belief in yourself of, I've been trying to do this for a year and I'm no further forward. I've been in this program for a year and I've made no progress. And it's like, yeah, because you've been putting, you've maybe put in three months of progress in that 12 months window. So if you're not focusing on the frequency and repetition of the behavior, regardless of the emotion, and crucially, then finding another outlet for the emotion, right? Like, see if you can't be arsed and you still go ahead and do something, then you need to, and you still go ahead and get it done, get get the shit done that you didn't want to do, and you still feel like shit after it, then go and find something that's going to help you feel better based on the emotion that you're feeling, right? I spoke to the guys about this last night. You, you can't just push yourself to get shit done all the time. Like, if you're going through the journey of growth, the journey of high performance, it can't just be about always doing shit. I feel like people these days really define themselves by their productivity. And I and I, I said this to the guys as well, I find myself falling into this trap. I find myself being like, oh, I work fucking long hours as if that's a good thing. It's not a good thing. Like, I need to find a way to work more efficiently and smarter because just doing long hours constantly like doesn't bring joy or fun to anybody's life so if you're only defining yourself by the productivity if you're only doing it to tick the fucking box on your planner or score it out and give it a wee highlight and then give yourself the validation of I have ticked that box and what's the point because whether you've done it or whether you've not done it you still tick the box right it's something there's something here about getting people to widen their picture of productivity and being and doing and the things that exist in their day-to-day life and actually not feeling like you have to earn the right to do things or that you only have to do things when you can be arsed doing it and actually how do you create time and space to do the shit that needs to get done even when you don't want to do it but then also add in more time for the stuff that you do just want to do the Mm. stuff that you just want to do for fun for no other reason other than you just want to have a bit of fun. You just want to have a bit of joy. And I think we were saying this like on the call last night. So much of what is created as a perception of fun as an adult is centered around food and drink. And like that's just not always going to be fun. Like going out for dinner is going to get fucking boring eventually. Like going out drinking gets boring eventually. Yet we go, okay, well, do you know what? I really enjoy the gym, so I'll do that for my fun. No, that's not your fun, right? That's a staple day-to-day behaviour that has a purpose other than fun. Like, if you're like, oh, I'm going to go and try some other form of exercise that's more fun, that's great. But what are you doing that has no productive element to it? What are you doing that's like just for the sake of you disengaging from life and engaging with something that's just for joy? Because... If you're only creating fucking misery through the whole process, 
you're telling yourself that change has to be fucking miserable and then you're wondering why you're not in the right headspace. Come on. Mm, 100%. Do you think um, this productivity thing as well is a little bit subjective? So when people like to perceive themselves as being productive versus when they like to believe that they're still being productive in other areas as well. And what I mean by that is like, I am productive because I get a lot of shit done. But I am still being productive, even though I go out on a Saturday night and I have dinner and drinks and I don't actually progress much. I'm being productive because I'm fitting more in my diary and I'm seeing more people and I'm getting more shit done. So it's almost like their view of productivity is a little bit skewed and they just base it upon the amount of shit that they can fill in across the course of a week rather than the productivity of how that actually leads to particular results and outcomes that they're trying to achieve, i.e., better energy management, better time management in the sense that they actually have downtime for themselves. I spoke to the guys about this, I think it was on Monday, and I basically was trying to tell them the fact that they need to think a little bit differently when they are operating on a level that they want to achieve, to achieve a particular outcome or a result, especially throughout this process. So if you are someone who maybe hasn't smashed your gym sessions all week, you haven't um, maybe been on point with your food or your steps, the last thing you should be doing is going out at the weekend and having a drink. The last thing you should be going out and doing at the weekend is going for a meal and staying out until 12, 11, in fact, 12, 1, 2. I started counting backwards there. Um, <laughs> but it's that way we are. People do it because they're like, oh, well, do you know what? I've fucked it anyway. But that's not the way to look at it. You're actually just future fucking yourself by doing that even more because it's not... I think people like cut off weeks as a week. So it's like, oh, well, do you know what? If I um, drink on the Saturday and I'm rough on the Sunday, it's fine. It doesn't leak into the next week. I can start fresh. Everyone fucking knows the older you get, you're fucked until like a Wednesday. Let's be serious. Four-day hangover at minimum. 100%. 100%. So if you've had a tough week, if your kids have been playing up, if you've had a difficult time at work, if you've had to maybe go and visit family, maybe some friends have been in the hospital, whatever it is, and you've had more stress on you than normal that you've not been able to hit your standards, that is a sign straight away and instantaneously that you should be taking the weekend to spend on yourself or doing the things that bring you joy, whether that be maybe going somewhere with your kids, going to the cinema, going long walks, going for a cold water dip, whether that be listening to your favourite music, working on your fucking car, working on a project, Anything that actually brings you joy and fulfillment. And I think as adults, there's like a shame around doing things that potentially just are fun for you. I'm the first to admit, I'm a wee fucking guy. (laughs) I'm a wee guy. Like, sometimes I think to myself, I'm 30 this year, right? And obviously help all these people with their lives inside the programme. People probably look up to me to some degree in social media when they comment on my posts and all this sort of stuff. And I just think to myself... I feel like a fucking wee guy. <laughs> these people, <laughs> these people are, are saying this shit to me. <laughs> I still feel like I'm 18 years old. And it's because I'm connected with that side of my life where I do fun things for me that I still need to do that I enjoy that I've not lost that allow me to recharge my batteries. And we were talking about this funnily enough, like me and you operate on such a consistent level of just performance all the time with our clients, with the support, with our creation of content, with our education, our curriculum, absolutely everything. And they probably think we're fucking superhuman to some degree when really we're just smart about it. If I've got a drinking day on Saturday and that was planned in for a couple of weeks and it comes to Saturday and I have been fucked all week, I am going to pull out of that and say I'm not drinking. I can go, but I'm not going to drink. And I'm going to set a time to go home. What do you think about people that potentially don't have that level of productivity with their choices, but have this productivity elsewhere by 
always just shooting for the moon and thinking they're fucking indestructible by getting everything done. Yeah, there's a real difference between just doing shit and actually producing shit. Yeah. Producing shit. Producing, <laughs> producing shit. shit. <laughs> producing shit. Um, there's a real difference, and I think so many people do what they think they should be doing as opposed to doing work on the thing that they're actually trying to produce. And I think, like, I used to work in organisations, developing teams and developing leaders, and people used to tell me all the time, I've got no time, I'm so busy. Like, I just, how can I work on these high-level tasks when my time is all accounted for? And I'm like, so what are you doing? And they're like, oh, I'm answering the phone, I'm answering emails, I mean, I'm, I'm getting everything done and I'm getting every box ticked and I'm like, it's time, you're wasting fucking time. Like, if you're defining yourself by the process-based shit that you are doing day in, day out and calling it productivity, your definition is completely wrong because what are you actually producing? You're just reacting. Yeah. And so often I think people will always go for, especially as we go older, there's a drive to always make the practical, logical decision. And I think if you are, you know, a parent, a partner, you, you're running a house, you're running a job, like you're caring for family, whatever it is that takes up your time, you're going to have to spend so much time making practical, logical, rational decisions. It's so much so that putting yourself on the back burner and going against what you actually want to do is going to become such fucking second nature that all of your values are going to go completely out the window because you're so stuck and entrenched in, entrenched in what you think you should be doing that when somebody like me comes along and says, what do you do for, for fun? You're like, I don't know. I could tell you the last time I had fun, right? You tell yourself you're having fun because you were at Jeanette's 50th birthday party on Saturday night. But let's be honest, did you actually want to go to Jeanette's party? Did you fuck, right? You don't even really like her. You just went because you had to because... She's your second cousin twice removed and your mom will be annoyed if you don't. So it's like so many of what we, I feel like people define themselves by other people's standards of what productivity is and what fun is and what joy is. Like I can't wait for fucking to go to the bingo and I fucking love going to bingo. I'm 30 year old, right? It's one of my favourite pastimes. Genuinely enjoy it. Find it like meditative. It's great. I absolutely can't wait to get out my back garden and cut down and trim the ivy over the top of the, the that's hanging over the top of the wall. Like I actually can't wait to go and play a round of golf. Like there's so many daft things that I will do with my time that I, I will do unapologetically because it's not necessarily about the task in which I'm doing it. It's the state that it then produces for me. And I think the only reason that you and I managed to keep 4,000 plates spinning between us at any given time is because we will consistently protect that time for us to do mad shit. If I want to spend seven hours on the Xbox of a weekend, I will spend seven hours on the Xbox of a weekend, right? Knowing everything else, that the bare minimum of what had to get done got done, mm -hmm. but knowing that what that will produce in me is a state that I can operate from for the rest of that coming week. And if I don't create that state for myself, then anything that has to get done is not going to get done to a high standard. And if I can't do it to a high standard, I'm just going to fuck it off completely. I'm not interested in doing it to a half hour standard. So it's actually less about taking the time out and creating an energy state for you to work from. Mm, yes, I couldn't agree more with that. And I think what really kind of stood out there what you said is if you do really have like a stressed out life and you get invited to fucking what was it Bernadette's party or 
Bernadette. Any any random Scottish any, any, name. Any, 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 any shy auntie's name. <laughs> Sorry if there's any Bernadettes or <laughs> You could be called Karen. I actually feel bad for some Karens. I know some decent Karens, and that oh, name's just been like totally tarnished for for so many reasons. Um, but when you said that there, what really kind of stood out to me and what made me think was how what I said previously about training yourself to do the task. And that that would be about the training of doing the task when you don't want to do it comes into play there. It's like if you do focus on doing the run when you don't want to, going to the gym when you don't want to, doing the hard shit and setting actually big, dirty, audacious goals and really pushing yourself to a level that makes you realize that you can do things that you said you would follow through with and that you actually have a higher degree of intelligence for what choices you need to make. Because the thing is, I think there's nothing better than living in that athlete state where you need to drink less, perform better, improve your fitness, improve your recovery, improve your mobility, all of that sort of stuff. I really do think everyone has to set themselves a really big goal to work towards to understand what it looks like to live like an athlete and see if they actually don't focus on living like an athlete through that process and they show up and it doesn't go the way they wanted to go. They need to be humbled. They need to be put in their fucking place and told this is not how you conduct yourself. And sometimes that pain and that suffering that comes with that is enough to actually turn people's turn people's attitudes a lot. But what came to mind as well, above all else, and you'll have seen this, Jeff. <laughs> See, when people talk to me about wanting to achieve results, right, and, like, manage their headspace, manage their mental health, manage their physical results, manage their well-being, manage the people they spend their time with, manage their energy, everything. And I say, well, what are you willing to do to get the results? And everyone always says, I'm willing to do anything. And see that meatloaf, Jeff, where it's like, I will do anything <laughs> for results, but I won't do that. <laughs> That's all I think about. That is all I think about. So it's like, okay, well, you've had a very tough week. You want to go out, you want to have a drink right now. Ultimately, that's not what you should be doing. But it's like, but it's what I'm going to do. So you're not willing to do anything then to get your results. And that's, I think this is actually like a tectonic plate that a lot of this shit sits on. And it's a fucking huge issue is the things that people say and they can't follow through with. Because they can't manage their energy. Yeah, yeah. And I think they they don't have a lot of people don't have an understanding of what anything looks like, right? Because mm. anything is subjective, right? Same as fucking. How often do we hear "I'm an all or nothing kind of person"? Oh, right? fuck off! <laughs> Get the fuck out of here with that patter, right? Everybody is an all or nothing kind of person. Everybody exists in the all or nothing binary. Because there will be points in your life where you are all in and purely invested in living and breathing it, and other times where the foot's off the gas a wee bit. When you tell yourself it's nothing, you're only telling yourself it's nothing so you can validate your reason for doing nothing by going, oh, well, I'm an all or nothing person, so this is totally normal for me. Like, have you ever met anybody that hasn't described themselves as an all or nothing kind of person? Honestly, no. And see, every time they say it to me, I'm like, oh, my sweet child. <laughs> I'm just going to make that one of the sayings of the podcast because you said it in episode four, I think, and I've been just wanting to say it and drop it ever since. <laughs> Maybe the first time you stole my pattern, to be fair. <laughs> Big Dick Rolich. <laughs> I changed your nickname from that one, by the way. She that actually. I had to. I had to get something to follow in my big daddy's return because I definitely won't be calling you that. <laughs> Joanne told uh, told Jen I was calling myself BDS <laughs> because currently I'm obviously like peak muscle growth phase, 
like let's call it a bulk. I don't really like to call it a bulk because I feel like a bit of a wanker when I call it a bulk. But um, I'm just about to start cutting down for my wedding, and um, let's just say I'm I've got the love handles back. I'm feeling a little bit soft. I'm sweating in the night. Joanne says, "Well, give my- me my world, mate. I've been in a bulk for the last year." <laughs> Joanne says, "I'm snoring more in my sleep." She's like, "You're a big fucking lump." <laughs> I'm like, "BDS is back." <laughs> so she told Jen I was calling myself BDS, which. To be fair, you need to give yourself a nickname sometimes for uh, the situation you should find yourself in. <laughs> and I was going to call Jen <laughs> Big Mama Rollich. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> but she did Absolutely. not like that one whatsoever, so she came up with Big Dick Rollich. Um, but I don't know if she did. Well, it captures my personality more, I'd say. Aye, personality, energy, directness, probably. Probably. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't um, maybe call yourself that around Paul because you might definitely emasculate yeah probably probably <laughs> we'll just keep it to the podcast right and that listens to the podcast you can you can call me that let's hope I, he doesn't listen to this episode bdr and bds oh They're i like that fucking the dream, team. the dream team the dream team so the all or nothing type of people yeah i've never actually met someone that's that's not said they're all or nothing and mm. it's so true because what you've said is right even I know, like if I reflect back when, in fact, you, you, you've been in the same situation before. You smashed your half marathon. Did you run a lot after it? What the hell? Yeah, exactly. Because you'd, you'd, you'd achieve that result. But now because you're going to run another one, you're all, you're all in again. You know, mm-hmm. when I was doing my marathon running, I was all in. But then I had different goals afterwards. So I wasn't all in with it. So yeah. I wasn't going to complain about the fact that I wasn't running at the same pace or I wasn't quite as fit. I was now 10 kilos up running 30 miles less per week <laughs> of yeah. course i'm not going to be at the same level of fitness and it's okay but you have to understand when the goalpost changed as well and what that looks like for you as you said so if you are all or nothing it doesn't have to be nothing but what do the goalposts look like instead and we call it a lot in the program like changing gears hmm. you're in like gear five and you're fucking crushing it it's like all your gym sessions are done all your runs are done whatever you're focusing on right now for the goals you want to achieve all your steps are done your nutrition is on point, your sleep's on point, stress management's on point. But what does number one look like? Because you are going to have to drop gears at some point. If you are up all night with your kids, if you are having an argument with your partner for a couple of days and it's just completely, completely destroying your energy and your will to live, because we all know what that feels like. (laughs) If you do have a project at work that you need to work on later for, if you cannot do it all, what does gear one look like? And I like to think of it like when you're trickling along the motorway in gear one, it's like stop, start, and it feels that way. But the consistency still gets you to your desired result just in a short period of time. So if you're not smashing all of your gym sessions and all of your steps and so on and so forth, could you manage your nutrition, get half the amount of steps in for that week and set that as a target and basically try and sleep the same amount of hours than you normally would? Simple. That should be your three main goals and three main focuses then for the week if you switch those gears because then you're not really all or nothing. You're just all or lower gear. Something. <laughs> like, all or something. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I think, I think sometimes people have the perception that when people are high performers or high flyers, they are always performing and flying highly. And that's just not the case. The difference is, is that a high performer will come down the gears before they know that they need to. Yeah. So a high performer will notice actually what's happening, what's happening in my energy state, which parts do I need to protect, what's my level of output looking like right now versus my level of input. Mm. A high performer will see the the traffic jam like a few mile away and start to come down the gears so that they're prepared for it. Somebody who's not a high performer will fucking hurtle down in fifth gear and slam the brake on at the last minute and crash the motor. Like that. that's the difference is that 
when you look at people who are high performers and who you perceive as having it all together, you're choosing to see that. And the only reason you're choosing to see them that way is that so you can beat yourself up and stay further stuck in that nothing. And in actual fact, like, they just know when to slow down to gain momentum to speed back up. Like if I'm doing a 60 hour work week, I'm not going to go two runs, three gym sessions and fucking 12,000 steps every day. And if I held myself to that standard, it would be unrealistic and I would feel so disappointed in myself that again, it would impact that state. If I want to protect the state, it comes down to the priorities. What is the priority this week? The priority this week is getting that work done to the best of my ability and to the highest quality. Therefore, what's the bare minimum I will accept and what's going to be like the buffer? What's going to be the amount that I would like to get that's just above that bare minimum, but knowing that if I do get the bare minimum, I've already given myself permission in advance to get the bare minimum done so I don't get stuck in my head about all this failure bullshit. And I think that people are so used to giving themselves a hard time and mm. beating themselves up and being so self-deprecating. Like, I don't want you to come in and tell me how horrific a human being you are because you didn't hit your 160 gram protein target yesterday. Like, get a grip, right? Yeah, Refocus. Put this into context and recognise that actually you're a human being. You're going to make mistakes. It's sound. But actually, did you know this week was going to be mental? Did you know you were going to have a lot on your plate already? And did you adjust the plan accordingly for it? Or did you tell yourself that you're an all or nothing person and that oh, it's okay to do all this week and then do nothing next week and mm. come back and tell us you're struggling to achieve consistency when really you could have preempted this, you could have had the plan B, you could have shifted the gear, but you're still running on that bullshit belief. I fucking love that. Love it. Because... I think even when I speak to people, a lot of the time, they are surprised that we will do these things that would potentially be perceived as lazy. And oh, that's, yeah. the word that, that's the word that I see so much of the time. And it's like, people don't want to be lazy, but I'm like, the thing that is causing you not to get your results is the fact that you're not being more lazy in the right areas. Because yeah. lazy is, again, it's like a subjective term that people like to use. I think people are just being lazy when they've got shit they need to do and they just basically approach it in a way that it doesn't need to be done. Like if me and you were lazy with the work that we done inside the program and we we're like, you know what? We want to get this done, but it's not like a priority. I see that as lazy, even though it is a priority. Like people bypassing it as something it's not. People who just aren't really driven to take much action and get much joy from the work that they do. They, they don't take pride in what they do. I think that that's laziness, but I know that a lot of the people we work with and a lot of people listening will take pride in what they do. That's why they want to do so much. But I have worked... Monday was 7 a.m. until what? Half past midnight. <laughs> Tuesday, 7 a.m. till 10 p.m. Wednesday, 7 a.m. till 10 p.m. Yes, there's gym sessions thrown in there, but it's still a very fucking long day. Um, and then again tonight, 7 a.m. till 10.30. But tomorrow, I'm having a half day. Mm -hmm. Going out for some food, meeting up with a friend, his girlfriend, or his wife, sorry, should I say, um, and their baby. Then on Saturday morning, I will sleep in. Like, I will not set an alarm. And see, when I say to people, do you give yourself one day a week where you don't set an alarm? They'll be like, no, that's like really lazy. Like, I, I wouldn't be able to get everything done. And I'm like, what's so important that that you can't sleep in a little bit longer to like recharge those batteries? And yeah. we'll be like, you actually don't set an alarm. Like, what time do you get up? And I'll be like, see if I'm really fucking tired and I need to recharge. I'll maybe not wake up till like nine o'clock. And they're mm -hmm. like, 
I've not woke up at nine o'clock like in five or six years. And I'm like, okay, that's great, but you're three stone overweight. So let's see who's who's maybe got the better systems in place here. hundred percent. Or or we'll hear folks say, I don't want to waste the day. And it's like, there we go. You're prioritizing activity over state. I don't yeah. want to waste the day. Therefore, I need to get shit done. And it doesn't matter if my state is impacted, if I'm running in fucking four hours sleep. Yeah. Because yet again, they're prioritizing the product productivity and not the protection of the state. Yeah, 100%. And people need to fucking buck up their ideas. <laughs> like, and I think this state talk as well, people can maybe get a little bit confused by it. And in a way, because they don't kind of fully get what we mean. Mm-hmm. If you had to describe state, because I know how I would probably describe it in my mind, like, see the flow, the state we get into when we're kind of in flow, we can fire through everything, we can get shit done, things productive. You feel as if everything's done to a high standard. Like, how would you describe that? How would you describe that feeling to someone if they've maybe not experienced it in a long time? Because everyone would have experienced it at some point, but maybe if they've just been living a little bit too highly strung lately. Mm. I would say, honestly, for me, protection of state or creation of state is exactly what people talk about when they talk about headspace. And I think it's it's kind of, it's not what you do, it's the way in which you do it. So it's not the actual activity itself that you're doing, but it's how you're approaching it. And I think that when your state is protected to a point that you know why it's protected or you know why you try and create that certain state, it means it's like you knowing that you have to approach the things that you do in a certain way. So I know, for example, if I have a whole week of coaching, delivering trainings, designing stuff, right? Because like obviously everything has to be designed and thought through, which is a whole process in itself. I think sometimes folk think I fling together a few slides in Canva. And like actually there is a deep theoretical basis in most of this stuff that I'm talking about. So it's doing the research based on what I'm seeing, trends, patterns, themes, conversations, bringing that all together, putting a theory underneath it, like creating stuff that's relevant and good quality, right? It's it's having coaching sessions that I am fully immersed and present in because if my energy is low, the quality of coaching that the other person on the other side of that call gets is shit. And I can't do that, right? I can't just show up and go through the motions. And I think that when you're approaching the different things that you do in your life, if you are in that right headspace, it's because you've done something to create that state. You've mm-hmm. done something to protect your state, right? Like now when you've maybe been off, you've been on holiday and you've been disengaged for your phone completely. Like I know for both of us, we pretty much will go phone- as phoneless as we possibly can if we're taking time off, right? For you, I would say that's more of a rarity. I think I'm a bit better at it than you are. Um, but I will go like almost completely phoneless, like to the point where people will text my husband, be like, is Jen alive? She's ignoring me and he's like, she's disengaged, right? Now I know that I need to be disengaged because if I don't disengage and I'm still trying to maintain activity in the background when I come back, I'm not getting that nice, rested, free-minded state because see, as soon as I'm not stuck in the details of something, I think, like, how many times have I come back for holiday and I've, like, texted you or voice noted you and I've, like, I've got 17 ideas for things that we uh-huh. should do, right? Because I've created the, the flow state for myself by being disengaged from noise and just being left with time to think. So, actually, if I don't create that state for myself, I'm doing myself a complete disservice. And when I'm in that good state, 
I'm doing the same things, but the way in which I'm approaching it is of much as of a much higher standard. And I think this is why it's so so important that no matter what you're working on, you focus on how you create joy through it. And I think sometimes when we say to people things like falling in love with the process, I don't mean that you need to fall in love with fucking tracking your calories, right? What I mean is that there has to be joy and purpose through the change. Because if you're only dangling the carrot of joy and purpose at the other end, what's the point in doing it, right? If you create joy and purpose throughout it, it starts to become that second nature way in which you live your life and not this constant slog. Like we already have to do so many fucking shit things that we don't want to do. Why are you adding in more shit things that you don't want to do? Like, add in more of the joyous things that balance out. That's what creates that headspace. That's what creates that state of mind that changes the way you approach everything. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, what I was kind of thinking about there is, like, the things that I do at home, for example, versus, like, when I'm away on holiday are the same things I do to get into flow state to make sure that I'm always kept at my best. And that the things I do to stay in flow aren't seasonal either. Like they're always consistent because I know if I don't do them, then ultimately I won't feel my best as well and I won't be able to enjoy things. Like the standards I hold for myself to show up at my work are the same things that I would use to show up in my relationships or show up on a night out. Like I know I feel irritable going a night out if I have not served myself and I feel far more, I actually feel quite vulnerable. I feel quite self-conscious. I feel quite anxious. I feel kind of lower in confidence because it's not really an environment I go into and I'm almost like I shouldn't be here. Whereas if I have served myself and done what I need to do to get into flow state, I approach it in such a different way. Like we were talking to one of our clients yesterday who said that she's recently done meditation and she's completely looking at the way she approaches her work in a different light. Before it was always negative and it was always like very, very frictional. Like there was a lot of friction. And now she's she's like, I'm actually not quite as pissed off with it anymore because she's got she's found something to get her into flow state. So for me, it would definitely be a similar. I think I always find full state more with action and less downtime, but I know the downtime that I need to get into that full state as well. And that's the thing. Everyone will be different. I get into flow state a lot through exercise, but there are points where I just need to sit and do fuck all to make sure that I I kind of recharge my batteries and get into that headspace. But both of us, when we've been in holiday, we've taken that time away definitely comes with so much pro- like productivity afterwards like yeah. and so much fuel and I think if we take the, the weekends off for example and then we come back and we operate the way we do during the week we take a week off and we're unstoppable for about a month <laughs> yeah. you know yeah. it's cool. it's all fucking energy management and people need to recognize it one thing um, I was going to ask before when you were talking about the all or nothing thing was the difference between all or nothing or being all in on something Oh, I feel very passionately about this. What's the you know? So I feel as though I've never heard anyone use all or nothing as a as a good thing. So mm. whenever somebody tells me that an all or nothing person is always in a negative light, they're always focusing on the nothing. And that's how I know that they're not all in, right? When you're all in, this is about seeing yourself as the whole and not just the sum of your parts. When you're in the all or nothing mentality, you're only focusing on the parts of yourself that have to be invested in the all. So you see all as being ticking the boxes, the the productivity, 
all the stuff that you're placing importance on. And as soon as one of those parts goes, you say, I'm in nothing. So it's almost as if one thing drops and then the whole sequence of events starts to unfold. And that's when you start to say, I don't know what's happening. I know what I need to do, but I just can't seem to do it. I'm not in the right headspace. This is when all this pattern comes in. And realistically, it's only because there's been one thing in the chain of events that's gone, right? So although it's something tangibly, because every single time I ask somebody what does nothing look like, they always tell me the things that they still do, <laughs> right? Nobody ever says, lying in a dark room, rocking backwards and forwards, right? Yeah. Even though that might be part of it. There's always something they're still doing. They just choose to see it as nothing. Whereas when you're all in, it's less about what you're doing and how invested you are, right? That's the key difference. It's not a difference. It's not activity. It's investment. So when you're all in from an investment perspective, you're really clear on what it is that you are working towards and why you're working towards it. So it no longer becomes about right, I need to get back in the zone and I need to get really focused on all this stuff. Like none of that really comes into it because you're just always focused and invested in it all of the time. Even if sometimes the day-to-day activity isn't the standard that you set it as. I feel like all in is very vision-based and all or nothing is very minor, detailed, iterative, like reactive-based. I feel like that that's the, the key difference between the two. Like, all in is really, really linked to this is where I am spending my time and energy for the here and now. And you should never be all in with everything all of the time because that's just no how it works. Mm. Like you're focused on fucking big daddy Strathairn, right? So at the moment, you're all in with that element of the process. We have big objectives and goals for the Built for Life program for this year. So even when there's other things going on in the background, we are still all in and invested in that process. That doesn't mean that we talk about it and work on it every single day. But overall, we are still all in with that whole whole thing that we're working towards. And if anybody would stop and ask us, what are you working towards right now? We can tell them specifically. Whereas if you're in that all or nothing, constantly bouncing in and out of that cycle and struggling with consistency and starting again and refocusing I've been dicking about and all of that pattern you're not invested you're not all in because if you were invested it wouldn't be a case of this constant start stop repetitive cycle you would recognize actually I'm on the whole invested in this I've just had a couple of days where things have distracted me from my level of investment. So where do I need to step up my game here? So it comes less about the what And again, how you're approaching it, how invested you are, and knowing that being invested in whatever it is you're working towards doesn't have to manifest in the same activity every single day. Like, I'm really, really invested in my growth and my journey and my high performance, but I'm still going to take a half day on Friday and take the weekend off. Do you know what I mean? Like, I know that I need to work on Saturday, so I'm obviously going to take downtime the rest of the time focused around what I need to do to regenerate my state because that's just a non-negotiable. I know what will happen if I don't because I've walked that road so many times. <laughs> like there, there comes a point where you you have to know your own bullshit. You have to know the language of your own bullshit and your own bullshit radar for your own stories has to be really high and engaged because I know that if I try and keep up this pattern of doing it all, it just isn't going to happen. Yeah. 
one thing uh, you were talking about and what you kind of mentioned there made me think that when people are invested, they've basically surrendered to it, haven't they? they? They've surrendered to the goal. They've surrendered to the fact that it's going to happen and they're no longer kind of fighting against it. And they do know regardless of what happens, it's coming. But I think a lot of people try and pretend that they have surrendered to a goal and they're like, I've surrendered to it. I know it's coming, but they dick about in the process and they basically use that as a scapegoat a little bit to to not feel as though they have to put the urgency in and the work in right now. The whole thing of, it's not if it will happen, it's when it will happen. Mm-hmm. But the same fuckers that have been saying that for three or four years are still in the same position. <laughs> like, there still needs to be a deadline on what you're achieving and a deadline on what you only achieve within a time frame. But also for that to happen and for you to feel as if you can achieve it, there needs to be confidence from small wins along the way. Like, you need to be able to see that you're congruent with the values of the person you want to become and the outcomes you want to achieve by actually having things in your locker to call upon and say, well, do you know what? I know this is going to happen soon because I've just done these things and I surprised myself with them. And that's because I've surrendered to this goal. I'm not fighting against all of the elements around me and I'm not in that all or nothing mentality to the point where I'm feeling as though I need to I need to implode in self-sabotage. Yeah. I am actively seeing that I am growing and I'm overcoming challenge on a far more frequent basis. And it feels easier. Things I'm approaching in a different way and in a different light and in a different headspace are very different from what I've done before. I think that's what a lot of clients say to us as well. And we need to be very, very careful when they get to that point because there can be a large amount of complacency that comes in because they are generally feeling better. But mm-hmm. again, operating from a place of emotion when you're feeling shit and operating from a place of emotion when you're feeling good can actually be just as harmful for the things you want to achieve. When you start to feel better, that should be your fuel to take things up a fucking level instead of feeling as though, you know what, I'm feeling better so I can take my foot off the gas. Yeah, 100%, because it then creates the perception that you're always going to feel that way. Yeah. So, like, if you think you're always going to feel, that's me, I'm sailing off into the sunset and my life's nice and rosy, you create the perception that that's how things will always be. So when anything changes everything goes to shit because you don't know how to sustain it in difficult circumstances and imperfect conditions. And like, I think that when, when we talk about the, the, the process of, of any sort of change as a whole, the goal almost becomes irrelevant. Like the goal that you set at the end almost has fuck all to do with your investment in the process, right? The milestones along the way are so much more important Like, for example, if I were to look back at when I started my journey three and a half, almost four years ago now, right, if I had decided that the only goal was weight loss, then technically I've not achieved my goal, Mm. right? Because I've not managed, I've managed to achieve weight loss, but I've not managed to sustain it. Therefore, I've not done it. So had I made the only goal on my whole journey of growth weight loss, then I would be sitting here three and a half years later a lot of time, money and energy invested into it, feeling like a bag of dicks and so disappointed in myself because I decided that that was the only thing that was important, right? Now, if I'm to look at my investment in myself and my growth as a whole person, my life has transformed dramatically and I have achieved almost everything that I set out to achieve for my life over a 10-year course in the last three and a half years. So look at all of that value and work and success that I would discredit if I only place the importance on one part, right? And even now, I said this to you the other day, going on a weight loss journey again, this time, it's a piece of piss, right? 
Now, I'm not saying that it's going to be easy for everybody. It's easier for me now because of the place and time that I'm at in my life, that it's no longer emotional. It's very scientific. It's very strategic. It, it doesn't have the same level of emotional investment in it now because everything else is aligned. Everything else is congruent. I'm seeing myself as a whole person and not just defining myself by that one part. That doesn't change the work that I do. I still have to do the work to change it because it's still part of the whole process. But I'm not defining my whole worth as a person based on that one area. I'm still finding ways to bring joy and fun and pleasure and happiness into my overall life. I'm still going out for my dinner if I want to go out for my dinner, but just understanding the adjustments that have to be made for me to be able to accommodate and retain the joy and fun in something and not make it a fucking meltdown trying to search for the closest thing in my fitness pal. Like I've done all of those things so many times now that I know this is the blueprint for success. This is absolutely how it has to work. So now I've got that blueprint. That's me for the rest of my life. That blueprint's always there. So if I ever do gain fucking four stone again, I know exactly the blueprint I have to do to lose it, right? I'm really hoping that doesn't happen. But again, nobody, we never know what life's going to throw at us. So there's something about having the assurance and yourself and your, your ability to continually invest in yourself over the course of your life, regardless of what the investment looks like, instead of the focus on defining yourself by the result by the outcome, the milestones along the way of your journey are more important than the end result. Like your brain has to see reward at various stages over the whole process or it won't engage. So see, unless you're setting yourself key rewards and key milestones every 30 days, you're going to become really, really disengaged and really, really bored. And you can't invest your time, energy and attention into something every single day if you don't know what the fuck it is. You need to know what it is that you're investing in. Yeah. Oh, I could not agree more. I could not agree more. And what comes to mind there for me when you say that is actually reflecting upon your journey probably only across the course of the last, what, maybe eight months, actually, not even the last fucking three years. And if we had to put you in a box, which a lot of people potentially would do for the results you've achieved physically or not achieved physically, because their focus is just primarily on that as well, would be probably sitting back saying, like, ah, she's got all right, but in business and this, but she'll be fucking unhappy with herself because she's not achieved this outcome. And you're like, well, no, I'm actually very fucking happy with myself because I've actually realized through this process of what I've achieved, I'm actually even more confident now I can do it. And I'm, yeah. this is probably what I always needed to be able to do it, you know? And I think a lot of people live in this life trying to transform their body just because they are fucking so unhappy with themselves that the only thing they can control is their body. They don't know how to control their energy. They don't know how to control their emotions. They don't know how to control jumping between different headspaces. They they don't understand themselves. So therefore they're like, oh, well, I'll, take, I'll just take action on the one thing that I can fucking control. And it's my outer layer. And for those people, they are always at more risk because they're only doing it for a, for a surface level goal. An ornamental goal, you know. So when they get to the final result, and because I know I've been there, and I've looked at myself and been like, I look fucking shit. I've then rebounded, put weight back on, then looked at pictures of myself when I thought I looked shit, and I'm like, what the fuck? I did not look yeah. like that. Like, yeah, because you're looking through a totally different lens. So when you're invested in change for the right reasons, it can be fucking incredible, and it's difficult for people to get there. And I honestly do think it comes with a little bit more maturity. I've spoke to a few people we brought into the program this week and we've all had that discussion where 
they can recognize when they went through a process of change or fat loss or muscle building or performance maybe four, five, six years ago. And then like the headspace I'm in now and the way that I'm going to approach this is so different. But that's different for everyone. You might not be in that headspace till you're 40. You might be in that headspace when you're 22. It all comes down to your ability to kind of gain that intelligence of the lessons you've been through in life and take more from the challenges than they take from you and build that level of mindfulness to know what the right and wrong decisions are because you meet people who are fucking wise before their time and you meet people who are old and they're the most immature cunt you'll ever come across. Yeah. So there's no like, there's no way to kind of segregate them into specific types of of genders or ages or backgrounds. It all just comes down to the person individually, but that's why you also have to hold on to hope that you don't have to wait in that coming around. You can actually develop those skills to build it and mm. bring it closer, closer to you, even if it was destined in the future. Um, mm. Is there anything more you want to say on that before we wrap up? I think the only other thing I want to touch on and just to summarise is invest in the creation of your headspace. Like the things that you do, where you spend your time, who drains your energy, who stores your energy, what drains and stores your energy. You're responsible for the creation of the right headspace at every single stage. Look at your environment, look at your mental health and how do you prioritise not only making it better when it's bad, but nurturing it and investing in it over time. How do you treat your body? How do you treat yourself when nobody else is looking, right? Look at the overall investment and how you're building the headspace for yourself because the right headspace doesn't just appear by accident. It appears when you are creating it by the behaviours and the actions that you're fulfilling in a day-to-day. You're the architect of the right headspace. Boom. Mic drop. It's got a mic there. I do, but I'm not dropping it. <laughs> I, I, I just raised your uh, mic drop fucking hand movement with a. <laughs> that was the mic drop on the floor. But that was absolutely class. Like, hopefully, uh, you guys listening to this got a lot of value from it. I know that I did. I love talking about this shit because I just like learning about it even more as well and listening and taking it in. I think having these conversations with us as well allow us to kind of revise things is probably maybe the best word for it. So, if anything, this education that we are providing maybe to you is actually just selfishly for ourselves. <laughs> totally, because we love the sound of our own voices. Don't ever forget that. <laughs> exactly. Like I said, Jen, is there anything more you want to add? Of course there fucking is. There always is. There's always something to summarise. There's always something to say. Um, <laughs> guys, please share the podcast if you find it useful. Hopefully you've enjoyed it up until this point. Please subscribe if you can. That would help us a lot and it would definitely reach more people if you did. Also, if you want to sponsor us, <laughs> I'm just going to keep please on dropping this joke every single time. But if you want to sponsor us, you know where we are. Give us a shout. But please reach out. Let us know what you think. Tag us in your stories. Speak to us. We're not as scary as we may seem. And <laughs> listen to back on what you'd like to hear and what you'd like to see. But me and Jen appreciate all of you. And um, we will see you on the next show. Thanks, team. <laughs>